All right, top of the morning here, Four Oaks. It is Friday, let's see, March 5th, 2021. Pastor Paul, I've retreated into the cozy confines of the Gilbert Abode. It's a little chilly, or as we say in East Tennessee, it's a mite chilly. So here we go. We are rolling through Exodus. We're up to Exodus 17, and we are at the point where Israel is drawing close to Mount Sinai um, to worship God, to receive his law. And this passage is going to seem a little bit like Groundhog's Day, right? Um, where the same day, the same events for Bill Murray keep happening over and over and over and over again. And it it seems, as we read this passage, that we've just been here, we've just done this, but yet, here we are again. And of course, I'm talking about the Israelites complaining to God um, because they have no suitable water to drink. Um, this has already happened once, just a few days prior to this. Um, it's happened twice when God reveals how he's going to feed them through the giving of manna in the morning and quail in the evening. Um, and their bellies are full, but yet they are thirsty. And so we're going to look at this again and see what we can learn. So it's just, just seven verses this morning. So uh, Exodus 17. Now all the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you, and there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, let's step back just for a second and and try to and try to put this in the right sort of context. We have to ask, why in the world was Moses leading the people um, in such a way? where he knew there was going to be no water to drink, right? Moses was, remember, very familiar with this region in Mount Sinai. He was, he in fact had spent time there. This is where he encountered God in the burning bush. So it's not like Moses is unfamiliar with this region. What is Moses? Just dense, stupid, obtuse? Uh, what kind of leader is Moses? To, to, to put them in this position again. I mean, th these are all the kinds of questions we would be asking, right? Um, when our leaders have led us astray. But let's remember, it's not Moses who led them there, 
Remember, God had, as part of his assurance of promise to them, had said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to lead you in the day with this, with this cloud. I'm going to lead you at night with this pillar of fire. And when we understand that, when we understand that it is God, there's never a moment that God is not with them. There is never a moment when God is not leading them. And when we understand that, we, we, we come to the conclusion it's inescapable, right? That God has uh, purposefully, directly, divinely led them to this place. In other words, they're not there by accident. They're not there as a result of Moses' failed leadership. They are there because God has led them to that place. And we have to say, why in the world would God lead them to that place? The same way, same reason he leads us to the places he leads us. He's testing them, right? He's testing them. He, he is wanting to do a work of grace in them. And what makes this particular test um, and their failure of it so egregious is that they are directly questioning whether the Lord is with them, right? They're, they're, they're directly questioning whether in fact God is, is, is taking care of them when God is present the whole time. Um, they can see the pillar of the, the cloud. They can see the, the pillar of fire. They can, I mean, of course he's there. Um, but they are, um, instead of responding, okay, in faith, they're, they're responding in sin and unbelief and doubt. And so this, this really introduces us to this idea and we're going to see it again and again um, in the book of Exodus, that God tests his people, but his people are never to test God, right? Um, so, so we see this um, same sort of um, dynamic going on in the book of James, right? So if you've got your Bibles, I'm, I'm certain that you do. Um, you, can flip, you can flip over and look at James chapter 1, okay? James 1.12 says this, Blessed is the man who reign, remains steadfast under trial or testing. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Okay, So there is this idea that, that when divine struggle is placed in our path, deliberately, providentially by God, um, one of two things can happen, okay? We can be, see, it's, it's, it's a test for us about whether we will worship God, trust God, place our faith in God, be assured of his presence with us, or whether we will put the Lord God to the test. So, and, and when, we, when, we say, when we say we put God to the test, I think what, what we're getting at here is this idea that we doubt God, that we that we question God um, in an accusatory way, or as our British friends would say, we put God in the dock or God in the witness stand, and we bring a charge against Him. And and it's interesting we we have a model for what this does and does not look like because we know from the Psalms that it is very right to cry out to God. It is very right to plead with God. It is very right to lament before God. Um, it is very right to humbly remind God of his promises, okay? 
And so when God tests us, when we respond in humility, okay, crying out, asking, certainly, questioning, reminding God, um, we can still be full of faith because we're not doubting that God can do it. We're simply asking that he would. We're simply asking that he would align his divine purposes with our particular situation. But this, this trial God brings into our life, which is a trial for us, it's a test for him, okay, of us, that can easily turn into doubt, unbelief, accusing God, and then we are instead testing God. And, and this is what Jesus was, we're, we're, we're presuming upon his grace, we're doubting what he can do. And obviously, this is what um, Satan was doing with Jesus in the wilderness when, when he said, well, if, if, you know, if you're so hungry, turn these stones to bread. And he's, he's, he's taunting Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Again, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay. Um, he actually said that in response to, hey, you can cast yourself down and God will rescue you. And um we, we, we think about this with the, with the religious leaders, okay? When they were asking for a sign, they weren't asking for a sign out of faith. They were asking for a sign because they were, they were testing God. They were, they were approaching Jesus with this skepticism and doubt. And um, what does Jesus tell them? A wicked and adulterous nation asks for a sign. That's quite different than humbly approaching God, calling out, crying out to him, um, reminding him of his promises and asking him um, to to intervene. So so again, what we see in this passage, um, and again, this is a picture of us, right? Is a continual reminder that whatever is happening in our lives providentially, wherever God has led, whatever God has done, whatever God is doing, these are always an opportunity to lean into the promises of God, to exercise faith in humility and trust him. Um, and for the Israelites, God had not let them down to this point. Um, and even though he led them seemingly into the middle of a wilderness with no water, this was in fact to see, will they trust me? And, and we see here, um, they don't. Okay. Um, but again, we see the gospel here. Okay. In that God still pours out grace upon them. God still gives them mercy. God still brings water from the rock. And again, these are all divine opportunities for the people of Israel to learn that they can trust God and not themselves. Um, now, as we're going to see, um, they don't learn this West lesson very well. And this is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, these stories are given for us so that we might learn, um, that we might grow, that we might um, be steadfast in our trust and faith in God, whatever the circumstances in our life. And that's our lesson this morning from Exodus chapter 17. So hope you have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy the weather, the beauty of God's creation. We're going to be back at it uh, first thing Monday morning, Exodus 16. Another very famous passage where Israel is fighting the Amicalites and um, they're having to, to trust in the God's provision, but that'll be Monday for today. Let me pray for us. Lord, go before us today. Remind us that wherever we happen to be, whatever desert we're in the middle of, you've led us here and that you've led us here so that we might grow trust and place our faith in you. 
So Lord, give us these eyes of faith and go with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you Monday.